And uh, thank you, Miss Jacqueline, for that uh, testimony and song. Aren't you grateful for the amazing grace of the Lord here this morning? If you're saved, uh, you were saved by grace. You're kept by grace. So you serve the Lord by grace. And everything is by God's amazing grace in our life. And uh, we preached yesterday uh, at Robert's funeral. And uh, Miss Irene had requested uh, just the simple thought, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee. And so that's an easy, easy message to preach because uh, grace heaped upon grace and where sin did abound, there did grace much more abound. And uh, so thankful for that amazing grace. Hebrews 12, would you stand with me as we read together a portion of God's word here this morning, if you're able to stand. Uh, Hebrews 12, we'll begin at verse number one. Hebrews 12, verse number one. Wherefore... And uh, we'll look at that in just a moment when you see wherefore, therefore, uh, in the Bible, you always look and see what it's there for. And uh, so it's in the context of the faith chapter of the Bible. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We're going to speak this morning about the race that is set before us. And the Lord has set before each and every one of us a race. He's got a plan. And we're to run that race so as to please the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want us to go to the Lord this morning in, in prayer. We need his help and his guidance today. You ask the Lord for his way in this service. Father, we thank you. You're so gracious and so good to us. We've already had just a wonderful time through the Sunday school hour and, and now the singing of, uh, of these songs. Our hearts have been challenged and we've been challenged by this special, uh, the amazing grace. And Lord, your grace is truly sufficient for each and every need. And we see that so evident as we look at this portion of scripture this morning. Lord, help us today. I pray that we would be obedient unto you today. Lord, we pray that you would minister at the point of need. Lord, that you would touch hearts and lives, but that we would respond to you, that we would have spiritual ears to hear from you today. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. Again, we are in the context of the faith chapter of the Bible, Hebrews 11. Uh, the Hall of Faith, we have seen and preached uh, almost 20 messages uh, just uh, through this Hall of Faith, men and women and boys and girls that by faith please the Lord. The Bible tells us it's impossible in Hebrews 11 verse number 6 to please God apart from biblical faith. And so these are uh, history uh, lessons for us in the Word of God that help us in our day and age. And I began to preach uh, through this particular section of Scripture because of, of events that are taking place in the world and, and really, uh, honestly, seeing uh, multitudes of, of Christians uh, that I think on the verge of losing God's purpose for their life in the midst of the difficulties. 
Uh, we see in this hall of faith men and women that were saved by faith. Uh, they served the Lord in faith. Uh, they gave testimony to God or of God by faith. Uh, they conquered by faith. They overcame the enemy by faith. Uh, they glorified God through their faith. Many of them suffered and died by faith. Uh, these men and women lived their lives by faith. They ran their race before us. They did not shrink back in fear or unbelief, but they accomplished God's purpose for their life. They lived the victorious Christian life, and as God mentions their name in this hall of faith, it's as if God is saying to these servants of His, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You did that, which I called you to do. You honored me. You accomplished your purpose. Now we come to Hebrews chapter 12, and God turns His attention to you and I. And he says to us here in the latter part of verse number 1, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See, God has a purpose for each of our lives. Hebrews or Romans 12 describes it as a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God has a plan for you. And his plan for you is not the same as his plan for me. Each and every one of us will walk a different path, a different race. But we have the opportunity in our particular race to please the Lord and to do that which will honor the Lord with our life. He pictures our life as this race. We are competing to accomplish God's purpose. Each of us are competing to, at the end of our lives, at the end of the race, to, to win the prize. Uh, to stand before the Lord, to receive the crown, to receive the reward at the end of our race. Uh, I enjoyed running track. I played sports in high school, and running track was a part of that. And uh, you devote so much of your life to the track or to the training uh, for the meet. Uh, there were things that I did not eat. I did not drink uh, Cokes or, or carbonated drinks. And uh, there were uh, parts, uh, parts of the diet that uh, I would adhere to. Uh, there was training. Uh, there was rising early in the morning. Uh, there was preparing for the, the event, for the track meet. And, and so that's kind of what is pictured here in our Christian life. At the end of our race... We're going to stand before God. At the end of our race, we will give account to the Lord. Uh, the Lord will, will basically, as you stand before Him, uh, deal with this issue. Did you fulfill the will of God for your life? Did you please God? Uh, will He say to you at the end of your race, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, I believe many are in danger today of missing God's purpose and just make this statement, uh, your response uh, to the COVID may determine your reward or loss of reward. Uh, how you react, uh, whether in fear, if you allow the fear to keep you from accomplishing what God has planned for you, uh, you miss the reward at the end of your race. Are you walking by faith or are you walking by sight? Are you allowing fear to keep you from fulfilling God's will for you? 
I don't believe that we ought to walk foolishly. I believe we should be cautious, but I do believe that we ought not live in fear. Never does the Bible tell us as Christians to live in fear. Never does the Bible tell us to stop living. We ought to obey God. We spoke that in Sunday school. Uh, we ought to believe God. We ought to serve God. We ought to accomplish the will of God for our lives. So many Americans today are living under the circumstances, walking by sight, not walking by faith. They're following the crowd. They're developing a herd mentality. They're looking for the approval of man, looking for the approval of the world. Uh, but faith enables us not to look for the approval of men, but to look for the approval of God. See, it doesn't matter at the end of our race whether I pleased you or whether you pleased me. What matters at the end of the race, did I please God? Did I do what God wanted from me? Did I accomplish God's purpose? And what I see is many people, I spoke this in Sunday school, uh, many people are, are developing a herd mentality today that I believe is preparing us for the worship of an antichrist. And we're not looking to please God. We're looking basically, we're, we're fitting in the crowd and doing as everybody else does and just fitting in like a fish that swims uh, dead fish floating downstream and doing what everybody else does, uh, not going against the current. So God tells us to walk by faith, uh, to please the Lord, and he makes this statement, let us run with patience the race set before us. Now that word patience has to do with endurance, uh, continuing even in the midst of difficulties to do what God wants you to do. Uh, in, in difficult circumstances, being obedient unto the Lord. I want to, to show you just a, a couple of thoughts here. Uh, look at, at verse number 3 of uh, Hebrews 12. And here the Bible speaks of Christ, for consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. He says, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He says to run this race, you need to do so with patience. You need to have endurance, uh, not to, to be weary, not to faint. Uh, our track coach used to tell us, you run uh, for the bears. And if you're going to run for the bears, you do not quit. He said, you may get sick, but don't quit. You're a bear. And that's his statement. This was his motivation for us. He said, you don't quit. If you quit, you're not a bear any longer. And uh, he said, you might puke, you might get sick, but you finish the race and you do your very best in that race and you're running this race for your school to honor your school. That was his motivational speech, but I apply this to the Lord. Uh, I'm running this race for the Lord, running this race to honor Jesus, uh, running this race to stand before him one day and to give an account of my life. And so patience, let us run with patience, with endurance, that race said before us. Now, how can we run that race with patience? How can we come to this place that we don't faint, that we're not weary in our minds? How can we do so? There are multitudes that are fainting in their Christian lives. There are many that used to be faithful, many that used to serve the Lord, Many that used to teach, yet circumstances came and got a hold of them in some areas, and they have not run that race with patience. They're weary, and they are, in a sense, set aside from that race. So how do we do so with success? I'll give you three very simple thoughts. Hebrews 12, verse 1. 
Uh, number one, consider the examples. He said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He's giving this in the context of Hebrews 11. He's stating to us, many have gone before us. They succeeded. They pleased God. They finished their race. Some of you maybe have read this background. Years ago, it was said that nobody would ever break the four-minute barrier in the mile run. All the way back into the 1800s, for decades, uh, men trained to see if they could break that barrier. Experts came along and, and expressed the only way that barrier would ever be broken would be under perfect conditions. The weather would have to be above, I think they said, 65 degrees. It, it would have to be a certain kind of a track field in which the record was broken. And, and there would be the necessity of a huge crowd that would uh, continue to urge that uh, individual on, that he would not quit, that he might accomplish uh, that four-minute mile. It was on May the 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister broke the barrier. It was cold weather. Uh, wet track, small crowd, the opposite of all the conditions that were given that the barrier would be broken. He ran a time of 3 minutes, 59 seconds, and 4 tenths of a second. Now dating back all the way to the 1800s, many attempted, they fell short for decades. Men tried and they failed. But interestingly, just 46 days after Roger Bannister broke the record, John Landy from Australia broke the barrier again, this time with a time of 3 minutes 58 seconds. And just one year later, in one race, three individuals in that same race broke the 4-minute barrier. Uh, since that time, thousands have done so. Uh, what happened? Many looked to the example of Bannister. It was almost as if there was a mental block at the four-minute mark and people came close to it, but they could never get across that four-minute threshold. But after Bannister, suddenly people realized it can be done. And multitudes now have broken that particular record. Now here's what God is doing. The Lord's very wise in, in, in how He sets this up and, and applied to the Christian life. God takes us to this hall of faith. And in this hall of faith, you can please God no matter the circumstances. As we look at these that please the Lord, uh, despite their circumstances, despite all of the travesty around them, they honored the Lord. Many of them could have had excuses for not following the Lord or pleasing the Lord, but despite their difficulties, they endured, they accomplished, they finished their race, and God said to them, well done. Uh, they bear witness to us that no matter what, God can see us through. Most of them had to face fiery trials like COVID and worse and difficulties. Abel uh, faced the jealousy of his brother. He was martyred. Enoch walked with God alone in a wicked world. Noah was mocked by those about him. Maybe God has asked you to do something that just doesn't make sense. God said, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to go to a land that I will show thee. Abraham left not knowing whither he went. And then later, toward the end of his life, 
God said, Abraham, I want you to take that son of promise that you've waited for all of these years. I want you to go to the place that I will show thee. And I want you to offer that son as a sacrifice. This made no sense, humanly speaking. But Abraham obeyed by faith, knowing that God could raise him from the dead. So maybe God has asked you to do something that doesn't make sense. Joseph had family problems. You say, well, I, got, I have problems in my family, have problems in my home, uh, and so I, I can't run that race. Well, Joseph's own brother sold him into slavery. Uh, that would have been difficult. And despite those circumstances, Joseph pleased the Lord. Uh, later, Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And, and yet Joseph, despite those circumstances, pleased the Lord, walked by faith. Moses was given a task that was humanly impossible, leading two and a half million people through the wilderness and no Walmart. Impossible. Uh, men and women that murmured and griped and complained. Uh, and God said, Moses, I want you to lead them to the promised land. An impossible, humanly speaking, task, but Moses had his eyes upon the Lord and pleased the Lord. Uh, David in the Bible was wronged by Saul. He had an opportunity to retaliate against Saul. And instead of retaliating, he trusted God, and later God took vengeance against Saul. David honored the Lord. Uh, the first part of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, many gained victory through faith. They conquered, they overcame, they received miracles, walls fell, uh, the sea parted, great things happened. I want you to pick up with me Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 35. And it reads, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, uh, were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God says some of them faced sickness. They faced persecution. They went through prison. They even died for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they found in every circumstance, God gave them grace for the race that they would run. And I could just say to you this morning, your race is going to be different than the race of anybody else in this auditorium. Uh, your race may be a difficult race. Your race may be a race that uh, it's not something that you would wish upon anybody else. Uh, your race may be a race uh, of, of impossibilities. It may be something of, of hurt. It may be a race of pain. Uh, and yet I would say to you, if that is the course that God has allowed you to go through, uh, God will give you the grace in the midst of that and in the midst of your difficulty you can glorify the Lord in the midst of that difficulty you can come to the end of the race and God will say well done good and faithful servant these examples are given for our admonition they build our faith faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God maybe you face a giant in your life the word of God will give you faith because David slew Goliath the giant. And so whatever you face, God has set an example for you. Consider the examples 
Now look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Here's a second thought. How do you run this race? Consider the examples, but then consider yourself. In verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, speaking to you, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In the race, there are many hindrances that will keep you from succeeding. I still remember track coach. Uh, he was training us for the, uh, at that time, it was the 440 yards. It's now the 400 meter. And he would say to us in the training, he says, uh, boys, I, I want you to run. Uh, you're, you're almost running full speed. You're going to get through the first uh, three quarters of this race. You're going to get to the, the 110 mark, 110 yards left in the race. And he said, the way our track is designed here, uh, just as you round the corner, uh, the wind is going to blow into your face and an old man is going to jump on your back. And you're going to have to finish the race. Still remember him saying that. Hindrances to finishing the race. Well, what I've discovered is many times the hindrances come from within. Uh, you've heard the statement, I looked for the enemy and I considered and found that it was me. And so often in this race, we are our worst enemy. There are two things the Bible says here. Lay aside every weight. Uh, running track, we would train, we would use heavy sweats, we would use heavy shoes and sometimes ankle weights. Uh, we would come to the track meet and all of the weight would be removed. We would run with light shoes and light equipment. And, and so it was just really amazing the difference between the heavy cleats and the light shoes that we would run with. And so applied to the Christian life, often it is our holding on to the world or holding on to something good maybe even that keeps us from the best. And it's living a lukewarm Christian life often that keeps us from completing the race and not really a full devoted heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's a weight in our life sometimes uh, that has to be set aside to accomplish the will of God for us. I want you to keep your place in Hebrews chapter 12 and for a moment to turn back with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 14. In Luke chapter 14, the Lord is, is covering the cost of discipleship. In Luke 14, verse number 25, what will it cost you to be a disciple? What weight do you have to set aside? In verse 25, Luke 14, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." Here the Lord is expressing, if you're going to run this race, if you're going to be my disciple, you must love me above all things. There must be a total commitment of your life and your being. I must be the most important thing unto you. If anything else takes that precedence in your life, that must be set aside. He concludes the thought in verse 33, So likewise, 
Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And so the Lord is expressing total commitment of your heart and life, loving God above all, being willing to forsake anything and everything that would stand in your path or in your way of service unto the Lord. I would just ask you this this morning. Is there anything in your life that really has taken precedence, maybe over your prayer time, devotional time, uh, maybe something that not necessarily bad, but it just keeps you from doing that which God has called you to do? The Bible tells us we need to be willing to lay aside that weight. Remember these heroes of the faith? They were willing to give all in their service to Jesus Christ. Abraham was willing to leave his home and his family to follow the Lord. It was a weight that he would lay aside because God asked it of him. You read of Noah, he was willing to lay aside his own reputation to follow the Lord and to serve the Lord. So let us lay aside every weight. But then in Hebrews chapter 12, the second thought, as we look to ourselves, he says, and the sin which does so easily beset us. And the context, I believe we're talking here about the sin of unbelief. The first generation out of Egypt battled with the sin of unbelief. After all God's goodness, after all God's blessings in their life, after all of the miracles, they constantly doubted the Lord. At the Red Sea, instead of looking to God, they looked at the circumstance. They saw Pharaoh's army behind them, the mountains beside them, the Red Sea before them. And they said, Moses, you brought us into this wilderness to kill us here at the Red Sea. They didn't trust the Lord, the sin that would beset them, the sin of doubt. Uh, they would come into the wilderness, there would be no water. And they would murmur and gripe and complain, forgetting that it was God that supplied their needs. Uh, they came to the time of no food. They again would turn against Moses. And God would miraculously provide the manna from heaven. They witnessed these miracles, yet they continued to doubt in their walk with God after all of God's goodness. Now the book of Hebrews warns us not to follow. That example of unbelief. Just a moment. Turn back with me. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 7. You can see this very strong warning. The Lord's giving this example. He says in verse number 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation to the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years, he says, Wherefore was I grieved with that generation, said they do all we are in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. He said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. In verse number 18, And to whom swear he in his wrath they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. And what the Lord is expressing to us, this sin that does so easily beset us, is this sin of unbelief. And it's that sin of unbelief that will keep us from accomplishing God's will in our life. Here's how it will work. You've been saved. The Lord has worked in your life. He's forgiven your sin. 
And then you face a difficulty and you forget how God brought you from your former life and changed you and saved you. And you begin to complain against God. This is what the children of Israel did in the wilderness. And so then God intervenes and has mercy upon you and ministers to you at that point. But you go through another difficulty and you complain and you gripe and maybe you face some suffering. And now instead of trusting the Lord, you think God has brought you out here to forsake you. Friend, God didn't bring you this far to leave you. He didn't deliver you to fail you. He didn't bring you through all of this horrible wilderness and the difficulties of your life uh, to drop you. At this point, that's what the Bible is saying. Uh, The Lord who's been good to you in the past will be good to you in the future. And if He's answered prayer for you in the past, He'll answer prayer for you in the future. And God will continue to work in your life and He'll lead you. He keeps you. He holds you. He sanctifies you. He changes you. He secures you. And friend, you can never lose that salvation that He's given to you. Your job is simply to lay aside that weight of unbelief. And so look to yourself. God is right and holy. He'll give you what you need. Consider the examples. Consider yourself. Lay aside every weight, the sin which does so easily beset us, and then consider Christ. Look at verse number 2, Hebrews 12. This is the most important thought in running our race. Verse number 2, consider Christ looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When we consider Christ, consider this exhortation, looking to Jesus, putting our eyes upon Him. It's easy to get our eyes off of Christ. This is what happened to the children of Israel. Uh, They would face the difficult circumstances of no water. They got their eyes off of the one who worked the miracles to deliver them. And they got their eyes on to the circumstances. The Bible tells us to run this race, we must look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we can't look to the problems of our nation or to the political mess and, or to people that have failed us. And uh, We can't look to the problems that we face. We're to look to the Lord Jesus Christ and keep our eyes fixed upon Him. See, to look to Jesus simply means to trust Him. To trust Him always in every circumstance, in every situation. One of my favorite accounts in the Bible, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the life of Jehoshaphat. You've heard me preach concerning Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat faced difficult circumstances. He was surrounded by enemy armies. They came against him to cast him out of the inheritance that God had given unto them. Jehoshaphat, knowing that the army was greater and mightier than the armies of Judah, began to fast and pray, began to seek the face of God. In verse number 12, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jehoshaphat is he's praying to the Lord. He says, Lord, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. You ever been at that point, you, you feel it's bigger than you can handle, and you don't know what to do? And you don't know what direction to take. That's where Jehoshaphat was. Neither know we what to do. But Jehoshaphat makes this statement that has blessed my heart many times. But our eyes are upon thee. Lord, it's bigger than me. I don't know what to do. But I'm looking to you. 
And this is what the Bible says as we run our race. We're to consider this exhortation looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Our faith begins with Jesus. You realize the moment you look to Jesus for salvation, you were born again. The serpent was lifted up in the wilderness and those that would look upon the serpent would forsake the wrath of God or the wrath of God would pass by them. And so it is when you look to Jesus, you were forgiven. He's the author of your faith. But he's the finisher of your faith. Not only are you saved by faith, but you're to walk by faith. You're always to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you find yourself in a state of weakness, find your strength in Jesus. When you need direction, look to Jesus. Uh, when you need wisdom, uh, the Lord can give you that wisdom. How many times as a father, my children were small, and I would pray, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. You look to Jesus. You look to Jesus for power. You look to Him for every need of your life. He's the author and finisher of your faith. And when it comes time to die, we look to Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says uh, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's the finisher of my faith. When I got saved, He's the author. And when I die, He's the finisher of my faith, and I'll stand before the Lord on that day. If I go through life with my eyes on Jesus, I'm going to succeed. You remember Peter, stormy? The disciples said, Lord, or the disciples were fearful for their lives. The Lord came walking on the water. They were filled with fear. Jesus said, don't worry, it is I, be not afraid. Then Peter said, Lord, can I walk to you? Bid me come to thee. The Lord said, come on, Peter. And Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk to the Lord. And he looked to the Lord, but then he got his eyes off of the Lord and on to the raging billows of the sea. And as he did so, he began to sink. And so often that's where we are. You see, we look to the circumstances. We look to the raging problems around us. We look to the problems of the world. We get our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink. And so if we're to succeed in this race, you've got to get your eyes back on Jesus, looking to Jesus. That's his exhortation. Consider his example. Verse number 2, he says, Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. His example, he endured the cross. Uh, the most excruciating of deaths. Uh, he endured that cross. And he says, endured that cross with joy. For the joy that was set before him. How could that be? Uh, to endure the cross with joy. I believe there was the joy of his obedience to the Father. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And he knew on the cross he was in the will of his Father. Uh, there was the joy of redemption on that cross. He looked across the ages to you and I. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there was the joy of the reward at the end of the race. For up from the grave he would rise from the dead. And so with joy he endured the cross. In verse number 3, For consider him that endured <clears throat> such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Friend, there is nothing that you will go through but what Jesus has not already been through it. He endured the rejection of the world. 
They mocked him. They laughed at him. They beat him. Uh, They hung him upon the cross. They watched him to die in mockery. He endured that. He faced the loneliness of all the weight of the sin of the world placed upon him. He faced the wrath of God. He faced the time when the Father would turn away from him. He endured all of that. And he's saying to you, if you're going through a difficulty, you look to Jesus. He's already been through it for you. And there's nothing that you can bear but what he's not already borne it for you. Are you lonely? He was lonely. Have you been rejected? He was rejected. Are you facing difficulties? He faced difficulty after difficulty. And he endured it all. Consider his example. And Then I would say as you look to Jesus, consider his enablement. See, not only did Christ give us an example, if you're saved this morning, He lives within us. I don't have the power to do it on my own. But I have Christ in me. The moment I got saved, He came into my heart and my life. I was born again one night laying in bed as a sinner. I cried out unto the Lord Jesus Christ. He forgave my sin, but He came into my life. He has never left me. From that point forward, he will never leave me nor forsake me. And so I can't do it on my own, but I found that Jesus within me can do what I cannot do. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. I'm crucified with the Lord. Yesterday we did the funeral for for Robert. And Irene had requested, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Friend, that's what Jesus does no matter what you face. The Lord gives you the grace. If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. You say, well, preacher, God could never save me. You don't know where I've been and what I've done. Friend, I do know this, that where sin did abound, there did grace much more abound. And I know that the Lord Jesus Christ in His grace and mercy can forgive the impossible. And He can save anyone. There's grace for salvation. There's grace that he can change your life. You say, well, preacher, there's a sin that continues to grip me. Uh, You don't know how people have treated me. I'm bitter at what they've done against me. My friend, Jesus can give you the grace, and as he forgave you, he can give you the grace to forgive them. You say, well, how do I, how can I, how can I have uh, served the Lord? What can I do? And he gives grace for whatever He calls you to do. And when it comes time for you to die, His grace will be sufficient for you. He enables us to live the Christian life successfully. You can't do it on your own. But through Jesus, you can do the impossible. He can accomplish it through you. Let's just bring this down to you and I today. You have a race to run. Do you know God's will for your life? If you were to stand before Jesus right now, could you honestly say, I am fulfilling what God has called me to fulfill? Are you living in that will? There was a preacher I heard years ago told about his father. His father was nearing the end of his life. And he realized, in all of my life, I've been saved since a young man. And here in all of my life, 
I have never led one soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this thought continued to go through his mind, not one soul with which to bring him. I'm about to enter into eternity and, and I have nobody that I have witnessed to and, and, and saw come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And this father of this preacher bowed on his knee and said, Lord, I've, I've run my life, I've lived my life, but I've lived it for me and I've not lived it in obedience to you. And Lord, by your grace from this day forward, I want to be a witness and a testimony for you. And this preacher said the last 10 years of my father's life, everywhere he was going, he was telling people about Jesus. And he said he was constantly seeing people saved and then he would bring them to church and he would bring them forward in an invitation and they would follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And he said his father had brought multitudes to a church who were now members and serving the Lord Jesus Christ in church. And he said the last 10 years of my father's life were the most fruitful of his life. What about you? Do you have those that you would bring to Jesus? Have you been faithful to God's call upon your life? You have a race to run. Consider the examples. They've done it. They please God. You can do it. Consider yourself. Uh, lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And then consider Christ. You're exhorted looking to Jesus. You have His example and you have that enablement of His presence by His Spirit in your heart and in your life. I'd like our heads bowed this morning, every head bowed.